Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Nefesh podcast. The word Nefesh is Hebrew for soul, and I think it encompasses everything that we are as humans. My name is Sandy Jo Leonard. I'm excited that you're going to be joining me for this podcast that's going to cover a lot of things, a lot of things that I've thought about over the years, that I've studied, that I've taught. It's also going to incorporate some stories of people, of real life people, and the struggles and challenges that they've gone through. I think that our stories are so powerful, whether our, our individual stories or our collective stories as humans. And, you know, we've come out of recently, um, we've come out of this pandemic, this global pandemic of COVID-19. And I think there is a collective story that has been forming and will continue to be formed as a result of this pandemic and its effect on all of our lives or globally. If you were, if you've not completely blocked it out, um, and if you could think back to almost two and a half years ago, when the pandemic hit in March of, of 2020, when everything around the globe was shut down, everything, the silence that you could hear, the the sounds of birds tweeting and the, the sound of water running. I lived by a creek at that time and trees and I could go outside and that would be what I would hear. I wouldn't hear planes or, or cars honking or even people moving. It would just be the kind of the stillness of, of sound, the sound of silence as uh, the Christian Bible talks about in, in 1 Kings chapter 19. That was such a huge experience for us. It was, it will be and has been a traumatic, a life-changing experience where everything ceased as we were in the throes of, of trying to understand what this would mean for our lives. And our lives have been forever changed by that pandemic. Even coming out of it now, it's still, it's still happening. People are still getting sick. People are still being affected. But the, the after effects are, we are only now starting to realize the effects on people, the effects on, on health care, uh, the effects on even customer service. I've, I've had to deal with some customer service interactions as I've recently moved and needed to get things, purchase things and things that I didn't need before. And so wasn't out necessarily in various segments of, of kind of the consumer society. And as I was out interacting, I noticed the, uh, the lack of people and knowledge and understanding in customer service. And it, it's easy to get upset at those companies or lack of customer service, but really it's just a reminder of the effects of something that we have collectively as a society been through. And a lot of various opinions on how it went and, and what should and shouldn't have happened and what we should and shouldn't have done. But the reality is it happened and we are now struggling with the after effects of COVID-19. It is our collective story, our collective humanity, our collective soul, our attempt to understand what it means to be human in a world that is constantly changing. 
I have a, a history background. I have a spiritual formation background, a ministry background. I've, I've taken theology courses and come to love and appreciate theology as I've had to teach it over the years. My background is, is ministry and teaching. Um, I've been in ministry for almost 25 years. I am that old, and that is a, a very scary thought for me going into ministry very early. And even in younger, um, I spent a lot of time studying and reading, sometimes by force, by my parents and other times by just desire to learn. I've always had an inquisitive and curious mind asking asking the why questions and, and not always getting the answers I wanted, but, but always asking and uh, going into ministry and then pursuing a history degree later on, going into teaching because I love to communicate and I love to connect with people. I love to understand. I love to grapple with complex com- concepts, not too complex. I, my, my Achilles heel, my kryptonite is science and math. And if you can break it down very slowly to me, uh, I probably will be able to understand it. But I, I love to learn. I love to understand. And I love to, to break down complex concepts. I love to try to understand deep things and really, really break them down into concepts that I can understand. Uh, People have commented that, you know, I I can make things sound really simple. And it's because I, at the core, really want to understand things simply. I don't like uh, staying too deep in complex things. I like to, to ask the questions and grapple with it for a little while. But then my mind gets bored or frustrated or both, and then it it just wants to understand. Give me give me the bottom line of what this really means, and so kind of like an inverted pyramid, I I try to understand at the very the very base, very top. Again, if it's inverted, then you have the long base at the top, and I like to grapple with that and understand that, and then I like to bring it down to a single point. Because I don't like to stay too long into those deep things and get lost in, in the forever questions. I like to bring it down into a point that I can understand. And then I like to communicate that simple point to others. Because at the core, though I like the complex, I really do like the simple, the easy to understand. Give it to me. Give it to me basic. Just, just give me the bottom line. Uh, I've been known, especially lately, in my current position to, to just get a little frustrated with people and just say, give it to me, give it to me quick. Just give it to me short. What's the bottom line here? What is it that I need to know to make a decision? But in grappling with deep concepts, one of the things that I absolutely love is to connect with people and listen to people and talk with people. I have, I find people so interesting and fascinating, not in a curiosity way that is just seeing people as objects, but as seeing people as individuals, as humans, as people who reflect in the Christian faith, this idea of the image of God. And this is what brings us into this idea of the soul, the nefesh, that the soul is so much more than, than an abstract 
idea that it, it is that it does exist and it reflects uh, a reality as some theologians and biblical scholars believe it reflects a reality of the divine within us and i love getting to know people at the soul level i love connecting with people at the soul level i love spending hours talking with people not just for the sphere again for the pure uh, sake of curiosity or just as abstract or, or people as objects. But I have found that when I, uh, when I get to know somebody, when I hear their story, it changes everything about that person to me. I am human like all of us, although I, I hold myself, unfortunately, to a pretty high standard and I don't like to give myself a lot of grace and I'm just as human as you, and I get frustrated with people, and I look at people askance, and, and especially if I don't know them and, and may not trust them easily. But when I hear their story, when I hear the, where they've come from, and why they think the way they do, and what, what they say, and, and their background, and, and their family life, the trials and the struggles and the challenges that they have faced. I, I connect with them on such a deep level that I believe all of us were meant to connect with each other. Again, our story, our story as a, as a human collective, as, as people who reflect collectively, again, from the Christian narrative, the idea of the divine, the image of God, the imago Dei, the nefesh, our connection. It, it does something to me and allows me to, to find a common sense of empathy and, and human connection that allows me to see past the things that may irritate me about that person or the things that I may disagree with. And I find myself rooting for them, wanting to see them succeed, wanting to, wanting to help them. As a professor for the past almost 13 years of my life, and before that, a youth pastor, um, and even uh, before that, I've, I've been in pastoral ministry for a long time, 11 years as a youth pastor, um, and a discipleship pastor, working even with kids, a kids pastor. That is not my gift. I love babies. I love kids. Absolutely love them. But I am not that creative. And, and the poor kids who had to struggle with me as they're being their kids pastor. But I love kids. I love babies. Um, I think even more than I love big, big people, uh, humans, big humans. Um, but as I've, as I've interacted with people from, from all walks of life, and especially as a college uh, professor, if, I, if there's a student who maybe is struggling in my class or who's causing problems, who's disruptive or who gives me a hard time, it can be hard at times to, to really care about their success. I mean, I care about them. I want them to see, succeed, but honestly, if they're disruptive, if they're challenging, it can be hard. But when I get to know them, 
when they share something about their lives or they allow me in or they allow me access to understand their stories. When I find out maybe that they've come from a difficult background, a troubled home, when I find out that they're living on the streets or they're, they come from abusive homes, when I find out that they're a single parent or their child has developmental delays or learning disabilities or that they have a learning disability, when I find out that there's something, they have a physical illness or something that they're struggling with them, they have maybe unknowingly invited me into their space, their soul space, and I begin to root for them. I begin to want to help them. I begin to want to do whatever I can to see them succeed. There is something about allowing ourselves to be open to share and be open to, to hear and receive. It is one of the reasons why in combating issues of racism or stereotypes or sexism or ageism or any type of ism, that one of the things that we are encouraged to do is to get to know the other person. If we have a stereotype about a, about a person or a bias against somebody, or we, we again struggle with some type of ism, when we actually take the time to get to know that person, we find that we, even if right off the bat our ism, our bias doesn't change, we may begin to develop a tension, a, a, a incongruence, that where we have this bias, but it is being, it is being, it it butts up against, it comes up against what we have now begun to understand and hear about that person in their life. That as we begin to know them, it begins to challenge our preconceived ideas and our biases. Getting to know people and where they come from, I believe, sparks an, a, a human compassion and empathy within us. A human story, something that, that we have in common. When somebody shares that they have a developmental delay or I see that they have some type of, of delay or disability uh, or something that with which they are challenged, I am immediately drawn to them with a sense of compassion and empathy as I think about my own family and a niece who has developmental delays. And I am immediately overcome with empathy and compassion. And I want to help and I want to know them and I want to find ways to connect with them. I believe that this is the part of that nefesh, that part of that soul, part of us that draws us to each other. Part of us that, that again, within the Christian narrative, we believe that all humans are made in this imago Dei, the image of God. In the Christian Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God created both male and female in his image, in the image of God. 
and that he breathed into them the breath of life. Now, scholars, theologians, they're not quite sure what that means, what the image of God means, what, uh, what, how, how is that reflected in our daily life, in our humanity. It's unclear, and again, the speculation has, has taken place over, over thousands of years, but at its core, I think it means that this, this divinity of, of understanding or this, this godlike essence at the very least, this perhaps soul part of, us, part of us, perhaps our conscience, perhaps that part of us that really truly understands rights, right from wrong, perhaps that sense of values and morals and ethics. And I believe that that essence of likeness, that love that is embodied within that Christian understanding of God, that God is love, that all of those parts of us are there, that though within the, the Christian tradition, the Orthodox Christian tradition, there is a belief that we are not little gods, there is a belief that we represent or have, have these characteristics that are like God and that every person has and that when we see it within each other, that imago day within each other, that soul within each other, we are drawn to one another. That though there is conflict and battle and wars and devastation and tragedies and selfishness and narcissism, that we are drawn to one another within, in the depths of our being, understanding our souls, understanding our nefesh, the nefesh part of us. These are the things that draw us together, I believe. These are the things that I am interested in. These are the things that I hope to discuss in this podcast as I, as I dive deep. I wanted to name this podcast uh, Deeper, the Deeper podcast, or actually The Deep my old youth ministry uh, used to be dig, or uh, rather, uh, deeper impact, deeper impact. And um, I had one youth leader ask me, you know, or, uh, deeper than what? You know, what, what type of impact, deeper than what impact? And I said, almost as if uh, I was trying to be smart, um, but I, I kind of wisely said, exactly. Exactly. I had, I really actually had no idea deeper than what I was trying to say. Yeah, sure. Deeper than, I don't know, but we're just going deeper. We're going to have a deeper impact. Um, but I actually really uh, wanted to name this podcast, not necessarily deeper, but the deep. And then I, I researched and I found out that all, there's a ton of podcasts on the deep, deep, the deep, deeper, the deep end. I thought, well, maybe the deepening, but that sounds uh, a little too weird. And I tried to in my and and one of the phrases that came out of my my youth ministry, I was, I was a youth pastor at a church in uh, Cerritos and then Downey for nine years. And one of the phrases that came out of that that I just just used a lot and became kind of my catchphrase was "dig deeper." So I thought, well, maybe I'll name the podcast Dig Deeper. But of course, there are podcasts along that lines. But as I began to really think about it, what was it that I really wanted to talk about and share? And it was this idea of the depth of us, our soul, 
and the process that's that's part of spiritual formation and spiritual transformation and that's part of our growth and our humanity that's part of our past and our history five years ago i went back to school after i after i earned my doctorate and uh, i one of my one of my ongoing things whether whether positive or negative attributes is that i'm constantly looking once I finish something, I'm wanting to do something else. I'm wanting to, I, I like to, I am guilty as, as is everybody else of starting and not, and not finishing things, but, but I do like to start and then finish. And once I've started and, and finished, once I've kind of conquered something, then I'm looking for something else to conquer. And again, that's where it can become negative. But, um, I thought, all right, well, I've, I've finished my doctorate doctor of ministry and spiritual uh, spirituality and leadership and I've uh, published my dissertation as a book now it's next so um, I looked into some degrees thought about getting a PhD and and then I thought well Cal State Fullerton is right up the street from me let me get my master's degree in history I loved history all of my life and and originally thought of going into it getting a bachelor's degree in it early on but the call the draw to ministry was just so great and so I was glad that um, that I was able to pursue my master's degree you know part-time while I was teaching while I was doing ministry and so I did that finished in 2019 and uh, it was a humbling experience because at that time even though I had three degrees was a college professor had published a book uh, was a pastor public speaker, preacher, teacher, all of that. Um, I'm an old, I, I was by that time, you know, probably one of the older graduate students in the class and I'm sitting in with these twenties and uh, 30 year olds and they know so much more than history than I do. They're running circles around me. You know, the professor asks a question about something that happened at such and such date and I'm racking my brain thinking, wait, I, I remember that there was something and immediately another student has an answer and they've raised their hands or they've said it and i'm thinking i am not going to make it this is this i don't know anything i thought i knew history but i don't know anything and you know, you know part of it is because they've they've got their bachelor's degree more than likely in history and that immerses you in in school in college your bachelor's degree is designed to really immerse you in the broad aspects of any type of a topic and so you're you're taking so many courses half of half of your 120 or 130 unit degree is built around the topic and so you're taking so many different courses and reading so many books broad books about this topic because it's trying to immerse you into it it it's a it's a throw you into the pool approach but meant to give you a broad overview and you're memorizing a lot you're memorizing a lot of dates especially if you're history but if you're in you know a biology degree you're memorizing all of the various terms that you need to know and the various parts of the body that you need to know you're memorizing all of that and you're learning this stuff and you're preparing for exams on note cards that have the definition and the term. That's what a bachelor's degree is designed to do. By the time you get to graduate school, 
Um, think of going back to a pyramid idea, take that pyramid and keep it rather than invert it, keep it at its normal shape where you're looking at it. And the point, the bottom is, is a long base and it goes, goes up as it goes up, it narrows to that point. Well, education is like that. You start out at the narrow base, particularly in college level at the bachelor's level, you're starting at at a broad level. And then as you go up with each successive degree, you're getting to a point where you are very knowledgeable. Yes, you have a broad knowledge base, but it's the, especially the doctorate is designed to bring you to a point where you know so much about a very narrow point. So if you're, if your degree is in history, you've taken a bachelor's or if you've got a PhD in history, more than likely you've got a bachelor's degree in history that has given you all the, the raw data that has given you, you're not analyzing so much as you are knowing the raw data, the dates, the facts, the people. And as you go up and you get to that graduate degree, you're beginning to analyze and synthesize. You're beginning to take that raw data and you're beginning to ask questions. What does this mean? And how has this affected us? And you're focusing on time periods. And for me, I focused on European and Middle Eastern history. And so that's still very broad. And so I focused even more on the Jewish history from the late 1800s through World War II in, Euro in Europe. And then I focused in, in Middle Eastern history, I fo focused on Islamic history and specific the Islamic religion. So my point began to narrow, my, my focus began to narrow. And I did comprehensive exams on the Jewish history from the late 1800s through World War II, and then I did um, uh, Middle Eastern history, specifically focusing on the uh, the Golden Age of Islamic history and the Abbasid um, history. And so, but as you focus more and more narrowly, if I were to go into a PhD in history, I would try to take a very specific point, a very specific time. And I would analyze that. For example, I've thought about doing a PhD in history where I analyze St. Bernard of Clairvaux and his impact on the Crusades, as particularly as a, as a, from the Christian tradition. He, and mixing my background both in spiritual formation and history because St. Bernard of Clairvaux wrote beautiful, beautiful writings on the love of God. And he reflected a life that was so deeply in love with this Christian God. And yet the paradox is that he also wrote about killing the, the Muslim infidel who lived in Jerusalem and through the Crusades, it was the Christian empire against the Islamic Muslim empire fighting over a very, very narrow strip of land in the Middle East, that place that used to be referred to as Israel and then finally Palestine. Here was a person who was so immersed in his love of God and yet 
believed in some would argue contradictory terms that that God wanted them to go in and remove all of these evil doers and kill them, remove them through violence and kill them in order to take back the Holy Land. And and so I've thought about going into a PhD in history and, and marrying the spiritual formation with the historical and getting this PhD to focus on this complex period called the Crusades in the medieval period on, on this complex person, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. And I essentially would come out of that an expert on Saint, Bar, Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, and I would probably have to learn Latin, which I am trying to do. It is a struggle. I, uh, that is not my natural gift. Learning Latin and on medieval history and trying to understand this very interesting period where we were going to war, not to remove an evil dictator, not to, to free people from slavery, but to take back a, a piece of land that, we, that both empires considered theirs and holy and sacred, that lasted for hundreds of years, and that we, society still fights over today, which is now the nation of Israel. So in education, going from this very base all the way up to a very narrow point where I become that expert in that particular field. Well, in pursuing that master's degree in history and, and really feeling like I did not know anything, it was a struggle. My ego was bruised, was, was beaten up pretty bad for the two and a half years uh, that I was there in school. But I am so grateful I did it. Not only did I get to pursue a topic that I love, but the biggest thing that I, and I still don't know, I feel like very hardly anything about history uh, compared, comparatively to those who uh, have been studying it passionately all their lives in a much deeper way or have a bachelor's degree in it. What I took away from that and what I've come to understand about myself is that though I consider myself a detailed person, I actually, uh, the details will usually escape me unless the details are wrapped up in a person or a concept that is related to a part of our humanity. And one of the things that I pulled away from this degree probably the most lasting thing that I pulled away from with this degree was the importance of understanding people's story, their humanity, and the stories of, of people who never were heard. It is said, and is debated, but it is said that history is written by the victors Well, where is the history of those who do not win? Where is the history of the African-American slaves? Where is the history of the slaves in other parts of the Americas during the 16, 17, 1800s? Of any conquered war, any war where there is a conquer, conqueror, where is the history of those 
who were conquered. The voices and the stories of people who've never been able to share their story or their history. Unfortunately, history, again, it's debated and discussed whether or not history is truly written by the victors. And out of that, then, it assumes, and it is, I think, part of our, it is part of just the way we think as humans, we assume that those who have conquered or who have won were the moral victors. And that the victors who wrote the history were also the ones who should have won and who were the moral and better people, the more ethical, the more moral, or simply the better people. In that assumption, we have lost the voices of those who were conquered. Where are the stories, the history of people who had no voice? Throughout our human history, there have been people who have had no voice. They have been conquered or oppressed or been minorities or who were born for a minute and then died. It has become a passion of mine to ensure that every person is heard and is seen, that every soul is recognized that every soul is valued and heard and understood. And so as I begin this undertaking of this Nefesh podcast, it is my goal to, as I share, for you to hear and, and be heard and to be seen, even through the distance of of this podcast for you to resonate with these stories for you to find your own voice and to share your own story to recognize your own soul and the precious thing that it is and to connect with the divine with that divine other and to connect with others so that your purpose and understanding of your value in life may exceed your own reality, whether good or bad, to understand a larger reality that lives beyond you, your soul and your, your life with the God, the creator of the universe. That is my goal. And I hope that you join me on this journey. We'll see where it goes and and how it comes together but but i already have in my mind uh, amazing places uh, oh the places we will go as that dr seuss book says but people that i want to connect with just ordinary what i would say ordinary people who are extraordinary i, I don't think anybody is ordinary i think every person is extraordinary but the stories that we will we will encounter and share and come together to talk with I'm hoping that you will join us. I'm so glad that you've taken this time to, to listen to me. I've been told that I have a soothing voice. Uh, I, I take that to mean I, I put people to sleep, but, 
uh, that's okay. You can put on the podcast as you go to sleep at night, and I will soothe, soothe your mind and bring you to a peaceful point of rest and shalom as, as peace means or is interpreted in Hebrew, shalom bringing you to a point of peace i'll i'll take that as well but excited to have you with us i'm not even sure i gave my name my name is sandy joe leonard and this is the nefesh podcast thanks for listening